This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Hey. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's cutting out. Hey, you hear that? No, it was sounding. Well, I'm it mobile. No, it's the Campanile drum was a little, little cutting out a little bit there, and then the chairs are at the end. Thanks, people, anyway. But that that was cutting out, and uh, huh. I don't know if it was if it was picking up anywhere else, but it definitely I heard it on this end. But it could just be coming through to me too. I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm here to hear what it what it is. But uh, um, I'm just here because I'm it sounded good on this end. But I'm listening to it directly from the uh, mixer. So um, yeah. and there was one thing I wanted to change on the intro is uh, if you'd like to chat with us or go um, or have a question or anything, go to the Facebook page. Uh, because we are on live on Facebook right now. Go to Facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR. All right? That's the best way. I'm watching it right now for your comments. So send a comment, and we'll be able to – I'll break in here and tell Ron. So, yeah, it's cool. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. (laughs) So we we are are on Facebook Live on the All About Wine BTR page. So if any time you want to – and once it is over, it – automatically goes to an archive on Facebook. So you'll have it then. I, I say not automatically. It takes a few minutes. We were just discussing. But then it will jump over to archives. You can listen to it there, too. So yet even another way to listen to All About Wine. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, yeah. it is. We, we thank Mike for that. He has been diligently working and sweating over the keyboard for the last couple of days trying to get this hooked up and yeah. with much trial and tribulation and we have <laughs> we have it going now and it we've should. only been on for what uh 10 years uh, 11 years now 10 years yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah 10 and a half years <laughs> still working on the bugs still getting the bugs and <laughs> <laughs> Still getting the bug down. <laughs> Finally getting on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. So. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> but we're on hey. it. And we're on it. it, it it's a work in progress. It is a work in mm-hmm. progress. Constantly. Constantly a work in progress. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, here we go. Rains. Florida's got rains. We got a tropical depression that's dumping rains all over the state now. And it looks like we're going to have a hurricane forming out in the, the, uh, on the Atlantic coming at us. 
as the first spaghetti model say is going to come at us, but you know that all can change. And uh, the uh, I just saw on the news that there's a couple of tropical storms out in the Pacific around Hawaii are heading toward Hawaii. So August is here, and it is starting to ramp up on the tropical storms. And heat is still affecting the country, and we're going to be talking about the heat wave in Europe and how it's affecting grapes. That's going to be our major topic tonight. And let's see, anything else happening in the news that we need to talk about? I, I, this has nothing to do with all about wine, absolutely nothing at all. But I saw this, and I wanted to share this bit of trivia. I was reading an article in National Wildlife, actually, National Wildlife Magazine. They were talking about wind turbines and the number of birds that it kills every year from wind turbines around the country. And I guess around the country, I don't think it was around the world, just around the country in the United States. And it says that they're looking at ways to cut back on bird death and stuff. And it said the number of birds killed by wind turbines each year is estimated to be between 200,000 and a half a million. And you're going, wow, that's, that's a lot of birds. But the article went on to say that agricultural pesticides kill approximately 67 million birds a year. But it doesn't stop there. Automobiles, collision with automobiles, 200 million birds a year are killed. Buildings and windows, birds flying into buildings and windows, and we've all seen or heard that, almost 600 million birds a year are killed. But then the last one on the list is the one that really I was shocked when I read this number. Outdoor cats killed 2.4 billion birds every year. Oh my gosh. It's it's no wonder we don't hear a whole lot of birds singing anymore. No wonder it's 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 so quiet now. My uh, engineer and I were talking about that after I read those numbers. She said, "Wow." She said, "You don't see the birds fluttering around as much anymore, and all. And you don't. No matter where you go, it seems to be less birds. Well, when you're killing almost three billion birds a year, and all the stuff that we're doing, it doesn't surprise me. So." You know, there's no lesson to that. It's just, I guess, shock value. But uh, a lot of birds, a lot of birds every year are meeting their demise through various means. So, all right, now. Uh, I heard uh, I heard something this week that uh, I know you're going to get into probably events and, and things happening at wineries, but uh, a question that I, I just came to mind is, is it possible to have a favorite wine without ever tasting it. <laughs> That's an interesting, interesting question. I, I don't want to get political on this show, but listen to this clip real quick. I've always okay. liked American wines better than French wines, even though I don't drink wine. I just like the way they look. Is it possible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I saw that on the news, and I go, what? Is, is it possible? Can you like an American wine and not a French wine when you don't drink just wine? You just like you like I, the looks I, of it. <laughs> <laughs> I would venture to guess no. You know, I love I love Riesling. I've never had a Riesling, but I love Riesling. I just won't look. I well, just, yeah, oh. I, I, I particularly love a nice, you know, sixty-year-old French Bordeaux. Uh, and, you know, I find that is more appealing than anything to me. Not that I've ever had one, mind you, the best. but it is the best, yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting point, though. Very interesting point. Can you love it without ever having it? And, uh, hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. comment, well, we both just good proved you can because I just said the one I want and the one you want, and so therefore, I oh. guess it must be true. We'll have to look up on the internet. If it's on the internet, it has to be true because it's on the internet. So, <laughs> oh well, uh, we'll have to uh, have to do further research on that. We'll have to. Uh, Ask people on the street, do you drink wine? If they say no, then we'll have to ask them what is their favorite. What's your favorite wine? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite? Do you drink wine? No. Then what is your favorite wine? Oh. Uh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is my engineer. You listening to the program? Yeah. It, uh, actually, my engineer here is in the other room listening to us live on Facebook right now. So she's. Uh, yeah, ask her if it's buffering because I got a comment on there on the page that says it's buffering too much. Is so, it buffering? I don't know. Is it delay? Yeah. She's just delay. I thought I heard an echo of myself in the background that was oh, coming in looking after me. Yeah, so delay will but be it is okay, but it's, it's not. No problems with buffering? Hmm. Yeah, I'm behind on that. On the program, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm behind no. quite a bit. <laughs> well, uh, we'll speed it so up. So if anybody up. calls in, ask questions, and we'll get to it. But it might be a little delay then. Yeah. Well, very good yeah. though. It's, it's it's working. But back to our original comment that we'll have to stop people on the street and ask them, and we'll come up with a definitive answer to your question. So. Oh. <laughs> so, all right. Wineries. There are some wineries here that are having events this coming week. Let me pull them up here and let me find them. Uh, I've got uh, two or three of them. Uh, Whispering Oaks. News from Whispering Oaks. Come join us for a fun-filled weekend of music, good food, and award-winning wine selections. Every Friday and Saturday is steak night and live music. Twenty-seven fifty per person. Does not include tax and gratuity alcohol. Not included also. Best Steakhouse Award-winning steak, sixteen ounce ribeye or ten ounce beef fillet, or you can go wild caught Alaskan salmon, extra large Idaho potato, fresh green beans, ranch stall baked beans, salad bar, and fresh. Baked bread reservations are suggested. Get a hold of them at 352 748 
9. And they're located just north of Tampa at a uh, Oxford, which is east of Gainesville, or west of Gainesville, and that area there. They also have other stuff coming up, uh, live music on Friday and Saturday and Sunday, uh, August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, which is this weekend. Uh, they have uh, Blueberry Barbecue Buffet. And you went silent just now. Oh, there you are. Oh, I'm here again? Okay. Um, this is this is a test episode. It looks like here we you know we're trying to get this Facebook ironed out here. So, and then every month they have all sorts of stuff throughout the month of August. They've got musicians all the time coming in. So check out their web page. It is what was that? Are you still with me? Am I still with you? Yes, I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I heard some music in there, and one never knows when you hear that in a computer. So they are closed Mondays, but they're open the rest of the week. Go to www.winesofflorida.com, and you can find out all the information about Whispering Oaks Winery. If you're in Florida on vacation or something like that, it's a good stop as you're coming down the panhandle here. And let's see what else we got. Uh, Tablas Creek blog. If again you're not subscribing to that, you really should. It's interesting blog, good stuff on it. Uh, lighter wine bottle is being revisited by them. Ten years and one million three hundred and seventy thousand pounds of glass later. They're looking at changing their bottle design to get something lighter. Yay for them. So uh, article about glass and how the glass and shipment and all that is affected and uh, how it's, it, you know, all sorts of stuff with that. So they're bossing on that. Plus they have, you know, other articles in there you can click on, go back and revisit. But this is a good one. Info at tablas, T-A-B-L-A-S, creek.com. And uh, you can subscribe to their blog and go into their blog. And then we've got Delmonico Winery, and Delmonico Winery is located in, uh, let's see, I don't know where it's located. Uh, (laughs) uh, There's a lot of stuff going on here now. Let's see. Oh. My, uh, oh, this looks good. The engineer just brought me the wine for the seating. Uh, that's all on their face. Delmonico is, uh, is in Baxter, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, Baxter, Tennessee, uh, Delmonico Winery. Uh, you can get a hold of them uh, by contacting Shelly at DelmonicoWinery.com. Uh, D-E-L-M-O-N-A-C-O, DelmonicoWinery.com. They have a Heart and Soul concert coming up. Wine, Weed, and Woodstock uh, is scheduled. Uh, The Sins Country Concert. Wine and Whiskers. Olds 88 Concert. 
Country Two-Step Cowboy Cha-Cha Dance Lesson and Dance Night, and Wine and Design Craft Night. So a lot of stuff coming up in the future. Each of these is a Facebook click, and I'm, instead of clicking on each one of them and telling you about each one, if one of them caught your ear, then go to Shelly at DelmonicoWinery.com, and she will be able to answer your questions. So uh, that's uh, located in Tennessee. Uh, and let me click out of this and what I thought I had another one here oh yes we do Ennery River Ennery River Winery is located in uh, well there you go Newberry South Carolina and they are having some stuff coming up here let's see what it is August wine news, half off of glasses of wine, dollar off wine bottles, uh, Thirsty Thursdays in August, so that starts tonight. They are having a Newberry Harvest Festival on October the 12th, so you need to get a hold of them. They need vendors and, of course, you to show up and enjoy all the festivities and everything. Wine Slushy of the Week will be available and it is what flavor we got this week. Jeez, I don't know. Cherry. There you go. It's a cherry wine slushy of the week. And let's see. Where's wine located in hours? 30 minutes from downtown Columbia. Here it has a little thing here. Just off of I-26 and Newberry, which is only 30 minutes from downtown Columbia, South Carolina. Normal business hours Thursday through Saturday, noon to 6, and Sunday, noon to 4. And um, can I host an event? Sorry. Uh, we offer a variety of venue rental options with indoor and outdoor options. Uh, but our winery and junior has been host to many milestones, as well as corporate parties. Learn more. Uh, I said sorry. Sure. I should have read. I'm not sorry. Sure. So, Again, Newberry, South Carolina, 30 minutes from downtown Columbia uh, in South Carolina. And let's see, do I have any more? I think that's all the wineries I've got for this week. Let me go back and check this. And not there, not there, and not there. Let's see. No, that's it. So, uh, any local wineries, anybody out there who would like to be mentioned on the show, send me an email. I'll be more than happy. Or put down in your mailing list or whatever. It's all about wine 101. Is that right? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. All about wine 101 uh, at gmail.com. And we will add you to our list. This week, food. Food parents. Today, National Raspberry Cream Pie Day. So if you haven't had it, do it. Tomorrow, National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. What line goes there? It depends on what type of ice cream sandwich. Most ice cream sandwiches are Neapolitan or vanilla, but I suppose a, you can find a wine that would match with your ice cream sandwich. Saturday, National Watermelon Day. National Grab Some Nuts Day. And National Mustard Day. 
My engineer just explained something in the background. I don't know. National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day is coming up Sunday. So grab yourself a, a wine and have yourself some chocolate chip cookies. Monday, National Oyster Day. And for those of you who have a sister, it is Monday's also Sister's Day. Tuesday, National Root Beer Float Day and also Friendship Day. Wednesday, Raspberry and Cream Day. So there's your sort of useless days for wine pairing for this next week. Next Thursday, in case you want to know, National Frozen Custard Day. That's the 8th. Oh, which reminds me. I won't be available for the show next week. I have a wine tasting I'm going to. So that I just just now remind me when I saw that the date was the eighth. Uh, we're we going to a wine tasting next week. I will report about it on the fifteenth, but next week no no show. So let me quickly. National Zucchini Day is next Thursday. Friday the 9th, National Rice Pudding Day. Saturday the 10th, National S'mores Day. The 11th, National Panini Day. Didn't we just have a Panini Day not too long ago because you had to look it up? Oh. I Panini? I don't remember. I think so. National Raspberry Tart Day is also Sunday. Monday on the 12th, National Julian Fries Day. Isn't that the way you cut a fry is Julian cut? Tuesday, 13th, National Filet Mignon Day. Now, there's a good wine day, but it is also National Prosecco Day. So, you can have your Filet Mignon with some sparkly. And Tuesday is also International uh, Left-Handers Day. So, if you're a left-hander, it's celebrated worldwide next, no, not next, but following Tuesday. Wednesday the 14th, National Creamsicle Day, and then the 15th we'll be back on. It is National Lemon Meringue Pie Day. So that gets you through half the month. Speaking of months, this is National Catfish Month, National Panini Month, National Peach Month, National Sandwich Month, National Brownies at Brunch Month. Brownies at Brunch Month. when you start having brownies at brunch month, then things are getting a little out of hand. But there you go. That's what we got coming up this for the next couple of weeks here. So enjoy and pair them up with some nice wines and let me know how the pairings go on some of those that seem questionable to me, but you may find something that's good. Okay. We are going to talk a little bit about the heat wave over in Europe. Well, I'm sure you've heard about it. Europe has been smacked. I mean, upside the head, between the eyes, with a good round dose of record heat. Oh, no, first I got to tell you about the wine. Like I said, the engineer brought me a wine. This is a gnarly head old vine Zinfandel. 2016 Lodi Zimmendel. Let me do a swirl and a taste of this. Mm, a little lacking, but I think she just opened it so we haven't had a chance to bring out the aroma yet. There it goes. Mm. 
Oh, that's good. That's a good domino. Uh, not real acidic, which is surprising for Zens. A lot of times you pick up ass on Zens. It has nice flavor, a Zimado, classic Zimado flavor. It is not a whole lot of tannins, so it wouldn't be one that you would want to let sit around for a while, but it's one that is nice within the next year or so here to add to your filet mignon or whatever day that's coming up here. Yeah, the 13th National Filet Mignon Day. It is, let me tell you what it says. Gnarly Head, Old Vine Zen. Here's to the vines and to a life lived boldly. These historic vines produce intense fruit flavors and deeply concentrated wine, matched only by the passions of the people who drink them. Gnarly Head, Old Vine Zimadol is an adventurous soulful choice, delivering a rich core of dark berry fruit. Walled spice, vanilla, and lightly toasted oak. Enjoy solo or paired with barbecue ribs, steak fajitas, or hearty beef chili. Very good. It is, yes, light tannins. I'm picking up a little bit of oak, not a lot. And they say lightly oak. It is very lightly oak. I don't get the vanilla, but I'm getting some dark fruit, which, you know, oh, you know, any Zen vanilla is going to give you some dark fruit, I think, if it's if it's made the way it's supposed to be made. So we got ourselves a gnarly head, G-N-A-R-L-Y, gnarly head, old vine Zen. Do they give a website on this bottle? No, they don't. Oh, yes, they do. Gnarlyhead.com. There you go. So you can check that out if you're interested. I can't remember cost. That's something I really should do is put a cost on these bottles as I'm purchasing them. <coughs> Excuse me. So in that way, I can tell you what they were, at least here in Florida, which they shouldn't be too much different anywhere else in the country. So let's go back to the heat. We are getting record heat out in California, out in um, uh, Europe, all around Europe. They set some temperature highs this past week that were, you know, forever highs. They've never had temperatures this high in different areas there in different cities and all that ever, ever. So it is something that it is unprecedented amount of heat that's going through there. The, um, uh, heat wave has hit a lot of areas, not just one country. 113 degrees in France uh, is, uh, you know, unbelievable. Uh, the uh, I have an article here. It says deadly hot weather set records across Europe this week as it baked the continent. All-time temperature records were broken Wednesday in parts of Germany, Poland, France, Spain, and the Czech Republic. At least two people died from the heat in Spain. Uh, France reported a record high of 105.6 degrees Fahrenheit, but the country's all-time temperature record of 113.2 degrees in the village uh, and set the country's all-time temperature record of 113.2 degrees Fahrenheit 
in the old village of Villaville on Friday. The whole government is mobilized, and there's public health warnings for heat in Belgium, Italy, Switzerland, and the other countries I just mentioned. Let's see what else to say. The heat is forced cancellation of public events, called schools in France to uh, postpone exams. Public cooling rooms have been opened. Women's World Cup in France, which just ended, uh, matches were scheduled in the evenings because of the heat. Um, the uh, creating dry conditions and it's fueling 10,000 acre wildfire in Spain. And it's one of the worst in the Catalonia region in 20 years. And it follows some unusually warm temperatures in other parts of the world, including the Arctic, Greenland, and India. So it is a major concern. It is a major problem all over. It, uh, the article goes on to say that it's a uh, uh, convergence of... Uh, several key factors that makes this so terribly hot. I mentioned last week on the show, how is this affecting the grapevines? And I said I would check into it and I would let you know. And I did check into it and I will let you know. It is affecting a lot of ways. About, I want to say, what, three, four years ago, we had a guest on the program, Dr. Gregory Jones, who was at the University of Southern Oregon at the time. And he, one of the, one of my favorite interviews, actually, I really enjoyed talking with him. It was very interesting and very informative. And I called him and I called him at the University of Southern Oregon. He's no longer there after spending 20 years there in August 2017, so it's been at least three years uh, since we talked to him. In August of 2017, he took a job at Linfield College, which is in McMinnville, Oregon, and now he is the director of wine education and uh, at Linfield College is titled Director of the Evanstead Center for Wine Education, Evanstead Chair in Wine Studies, Professor of Environmental Studies. That's college. They give long titles to what you do. And that's what he is there. I called him. He called me back. We talked about the climate. And it was fascinating, some of the stuff he had to say. He did refer me to an article he had written about the heat. Oh, look, I just lost. Um, I just lost this year. Uh, so, he, uh, let's see. Let me see if I can find that article again here real fast. Uh, 
there it is. Okay, very good. A little short article that he wrote and that he referred me to, and then we talked about oh, what he's noticed. This is uh, this was written by uh, Dr. Gregory Jones, uh, Linfield College. It says, not sure anyone needs reminding, but it's hot. Many locations in Oregon have set records over the last couple of days and likely still have a few more days of records to come. Well, Oregon and the Pacific Northwest see at least one heat wave each summer. The current heat wave is unique for its magnitude and length and maybe the most extreme since 1981. The heat wave is caused by a high-pressure system just over the region and then affect everything from the desert southwest into Oregon and the rest of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, temperatures just officially topped out statewide at 112 degrees, but unofficial records have reached 114, 117. He said that uh, locations throughout the state were 15 to 20 degrees above normal, breaking daily and even some all-time records. Now, this was uh, this was this year, you know. So. Even though there is cool, it is a cool down from the extreme temperatures in the coming days, it will remain unseasonably warm in the southwest for the next 10 days or so. What does the heat wave do to the current wine crop? While some heat is good for ripening, excess heat like that seen during the, this heat wave can bring heat stress to grapevines and cause them to shut down. Anticipating the heat wave growers that use irrigation have hydrated their vines to minimize the stress. Vineyards without irrigation might be able to handle the heat due to available soil moisture, but others will likely see some heat stress, potential sunburn on fruit, and even leaf desiccation. Also, one conundrum is that even though it is hot and it should facilitate ripening, it might actually slow it down as the vines often do not get fully back to 100% functioning for some time after a heat event like this. The grapevine crop in Oregon is rapidly approaching the growth stage called Verizon, where the fruit will start to soften, turn color, and accumulate sugar. Typically, this stage means that we have 45 to 60 days before harvest. Growers will look to come out of the heat wave into balanced ripening and hope for less extreme heat and no rain to carry them through to harvest. When we talked, uh, he referred to this, but we also went into a little bit more detail about some of this stuff. He said the the heat wave, once it goes over 100 degrees, and I, I speak degrees, I don't know the conversion to Celsius, so I will speak degrees. When the heat is over 100 degrees, it's bad. It's just, and, and it's particularly long-term heat. A couple of days, hits 100, falls back down. That's not as serious as if you have heat that comes in and lingers for a week or so. And this is what's happening throughout Europe. The heat is lingering for seven, ten days. And this is what is causing the problems. What this does is it shuts down the leaves. The leaves have to protect themselves. So doing so, they start to roll. And when they start to roll, they 
stop making sugars. And this sugar is needed in the grapes and in the plant itself. So the lack of sugars will eventually cause the plant to stress even more. Now, if you irrigate, you do some serious irrigation and you know the heat wave's coming and you, you keep the ground moist and you overwater, if you will, continuously drip, then there's usually a less impact on the grapevines. But Greg told me that he was just over in Europe and went to three different countries there in the 1st of June and visiting them, and they were concerned about the predictions for a hot summer. And one of the reasons is that Europe doesn't irrigate. He said they rely on the natural cycle of rain to take care of the water they need. He said very few vineyards actually do irrigate. And as an aside here, there you go with uh, terror, the natural cycles of rain and wind and soil and everything, giving you what you need for the grapevine. Without rain, the terror is starting to take in its effect on the grapevines. So the terror, the no rain and no irrigation systems will cause even further problems. Now, sunburn damage after Verizon, like we just explained, Verizon is when the grapes start changing their color, start getting ready for harvest. It takes anywhere from a month and a half to two months to fully switch from the hard little grape that is like a little marble to a nice, soft, colorful grape that you're going to pick and make wine from. Once they start turning, this is called Verizon, the V-E-R-I-Z-O-N. And Verizon is a critical time for development. This is when they pull in the sugars. This is when the skin starts turning colors. This is when the grape softens. And when it fills full of moisture and stuff like that. Now, when the grapes have switched to Verizon... Was uh, I heard some more noise again there. Sunburn damage can be critical. Sunburn damage can be critical to the grapes at any time, but to the plants and leaves and everything, sunburn damage is something that is and can be a serious problem. And if the heat wave hits too soon during flowering, this can also create a problem. It can cause the flowers not to fully develop. It can cause them not to develop at all because the plant will tend to protect itself. And if it's too hot, not flower as much or very little. And it will start closing down, if you will, as far as production of most any stuff because it is afraid of the heat. Most grapevines are good between like 15 degrees below zero. Fahrenheit and up to 95 degrees Fahrenheit above zero. Anything past those two numbers and you start getting problems. 
months or very cold winters, we've discussed that in past shows over, over the years, can create a problem on grapevines. Extreme heat of what we're having in different parts of the world right now also can create just as many problems. And this is one of the things. The sunburn the, without irrigation, low sugar contents, so widespread you know, disruption, the flowering of the plants, all of this makes a difference. Now, prior to the heat wave, irrigating will help a lot. This is why the heat waves in the United States, most of that is mitigated by the fact that they do, uh, do irrigate all over. You don't hear a bunch of problems on places like Arizona, New Mexico, all these places grow grapes and make great wine, and we don't hear about the problems of the heat there. But without irrigation in Europe, it does create a problem also, a major problem there. The grapevines in some areas are may miss it. It uh, may not cause a problem. It may be less severe and other areas much more severe. Greg said that production in some areas could be off as little as 10 to 15 percent, but he has talked to other areas and he said production could be as much as 50 percent off normal. So it's just going to have to be a matter of waiting and seeing what happens, waiting and seeing how they make it through it without the Irrigation, which I think, from what he's saying, it, it, to me that just picks up as one of the critical things, waiting for the nature to take its normal cycle of rains and stuff. Without irrigation, you might be in some serious problems on some areas. 50% reduction is a big amount. That's half your vineyard being affected by the heat. And it, it, the people go on it, too. Not just the grapevines, but you have your workers out there in the field trying to take care of these grapevines, and that heat is just just as critical for them. So it is a a serious thing. This heat has really starting to take effects, and it's really starting to cause problems in Europe and different parts of the world. The uh, Heat in 2017 in Napa turned a lot of grapevine or a lot of grapes into raisins. Uh, the uh, heat in Napa turned some Cabernet Sauvignon grapes into raisins, and uh, some Zimbardo grapes into raisins. Just shriveled them up. There was just no no moisture in them to survive the heat. And this is easily what could happen to Europe and different areas in Europe, although they're still a little bit ahead of harvest, it might not affect them as greatly now, but it is definitely something that we uh, keep an eye on. And if we notice anything else or if we see anything else uh, to be effective, we'll pass on to you. But it, the, the ultimate bottom line is the fact that it's going to affect prices like it always does it will affect the prices of european wines which might make american wines more 
appealing because of the price uh, factor there. Uh, but it's it's something else. I saw another article that I uh, thought was uh, interesting. I want to share a little bit of uh, with you here, if it will come up properly. The the skin of the grapes. Uh, This article talked about the skin of the grapes and how climate can affect different grapes in different ways. And I won't get into this rather long article because it breaks down each one. This is a actually it's a technical paper. Uh, the but uh, certain grapes will be affected more than others simply because the fact that the grapes are thin skin or not. And cool climate wine is the the grapes that will uh let's see cool climate wine uh grapes that grow in cool climate region adapted to ripen despite the weak sunlight and cooler temperatures so they their structure of the grapes are made to handle that when you start putting too much heat on these it affects the grapes themselves so this is something that does create a problem. Chardonnay, Riesling, Pinot Noir, Nabil, uh, Gamay, these are all cooler climate wines that would really be affected by the heat wave. Um, but on the other hand, warm climate wines uh, are a little bit more suited to the warm climate and a little bit thicker skins sometimes very thick skins. So that's what gives the dark color to begin with to the grape or to the wine. And that also that thick skin can help protect the insides of that and keep the moistures in and stuff. And you're looking at Nouvelle-Nay, Malvisia, Cabernet Sauvignon, Grenache, Sangiovese, Syrah, Tempranillo, Zinfandel. These are all that can handle the warm weather more. But, and this is something else too, with these heat waves, is these grapes can handle the warm weather more, but they also like those cool nights. Those cool nights help concentrate sugars into the grape, which helps all the way through for all sorts of different stuff. And when the high temperature reaches 115 degrees Fahrenheit, and then the low only drops down to 90, which they did say that there was a lot of regions there that set record highs for low temperatures. When they drop down to that lower temperature, it's not really cool. And so over a period of time, as they're developing, it's not going to put that sugar into the fruit. And this is an important factor, too. For harvest, because you want that sugar levels up, you want that bricks up, and it helps with uh, production and everything else. So the heat wave can cause all sorts of problems, uh, as as we know with us as humans. I mean, like I've always said, treat your wine like it were your best friend, and we don't want them sitting out there in that 
heat at any time. The same thing with the grapevines. We don't want that to happen either. So, so um, there you go. That's uh, what's happening with the with the heat and how it's affecting the grapes and what's going on there. Some interesting interesting stuff as far as how it's affecting the grapevines. Okay, I'm going to. Only about ten minutes. I'm going to talk a little bit if I can find it. There it is. Uh, is this the one I wanted? Maybe not. Maybe so. No, this isn't. Well, anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit about sulfites. I, I'm constantly getting comments about sulfites. Uh, there we go. Sulfites. At the winery, people always ask about sulfites. Whenever I start talking about wine to people, sulfites tend to be brought up. And the reason that it's brought up at the winery and any time to whenever you start talking to somebody about wines is because the states right there on the bottle, every single bottle, contains sulfites. And because of that, everybody is afraid of sulfites. Sulfites, people, are not scary. All right? It is natural byproduct of fermentation. It's something that's going to be there. It is something that you don't need to be, unless you're actually allergic to them, then you really have nothing to worry about. And if you're allergic to them, you know you are by now. And so you avoid things with sulfites. The United States is the only country, along with Australia, that requires bottles to be labeled that sulfites are inside. That's it. So that's why you get a country, you you pick up a wine from Germany or Europe or uh, anywhere in Europe, France, Italy, Spain, and it doesn't say on the bottle contains sulfites. That does not mean it doesn't have sulfites. That simply means that it's not required by law there to put it on the bottle. So let's talk about sulfites. Sulfites aren't bad for most people. Sulfites aren't the cause of red wine headaches. All right, this is very common misconception. Oh, sulfites give me headaches. Speaking of red wine, let me take a sip of my Zim bill here. Um, that's good. That's a good Zim bill. I haven't had Zim bill in a while anyway, so any Zim bill tastes good. If you have asthma, there is a 5 to 10% chance you have sulfite sensitivity. All right. That's low for those who have asthma. The United States requires labeling for sulfites in wines that have that are above 10 parts per million. And that's how we measure sulfites, in parts per million. Or approximately 10 um, milligrams per liter, which is... Very, very low, actually. I can't think of a comparison right now. Overall, sulfite is prevalent in processed foods, and you will find it lots of places. 
this is a concern for health problems too. Uh, migraines, uh, body swelling, uh, all of this stuff will be caused by the use of sulfites that are being added to foods. Let me give you a little example. This is parts per million of sulfites. Wine, red wine, dry red wine, has about, well, I would say around 80 parts per million on average, 80 to 100 parts per million sulfites. Candy has 150 parts per million. Jam, your strawberry, raspberry, or different jams, the sulfites in those are up to about 200 parts per million. Commercial wines, these are the two buck chucks and all that, are up to about 250 parts per million. Soda, and not baking soda, but your uh, soda pop or your uh, Cokes and Pepsis and all that, run about 250 parts per million. Packaged meats, these are your sandwich meats and stuff, those are about 400 parts per million. Prepared soups, again, about 400 parts per million. Frozen juices, a can of Welch's grape juice, just add water to concentrate. You're getting about 600 parts per million. French fries, oh, these are so good. You're looking at about 1,900 parts per million. And dried fruit, this is the one that always get people, oh, I love dried fruit. It never bothers me, and it's great and all that. But red wine gives me headaches. Dried fruit contains about 3,600 parts per million. Now, if none of these other things are affecting you, red wine's not going to affect you. It's, you know, none of these other things require to have it labeled contain sulfites, and so therefore everybody thinks they're safe. If they did have them required, then everybody would probably stop eating them or drinking them, so they don't have it on there. So how much is sulfite? How much is in a bottle of wine? It, it ranges from about five parts per million to about 200. In the United States, you can't take it above 350 parts per million. That is the maximum. That's uh, you know, a very, very little actually uh, in itself. Dry red wine, this article says about 50 milligrams uh, are, are you know, milligrams um, per liter. I was saying about 75, 80, so it's right around there. Wines with lower acidity need more sulfites than higher acidic wines. So at a pH of 3.6 and above, wines are less stable and sulfites are necessary for shelf life. And this is the key to it, shelf life. Next point, wines with more color, like red wines, tend to need less sulfites than clear wines, like white wines. A typical white wine may have around 100 milligrams a liter, whereas 
or which is 100 parts per million, whereas typical dries have around 50 to 75. Wines with higher sugar content tend to need more sulfites to prevent secondary fermentation of the remaining sugars, and this is critical. Sulfites will stop fermentation. They will stop the wine from fermenting again or continue to ferment. So you add sulfites, which stops the fermentation. And if you don't, then you can create all sorts of problems, especially in containers that are not made to hold a, a sparkling wine type wine, a bubbly type wine, which this is what second fermentation does. And wines that are warmer in temperature release free sulfur compounds. That's that smell you get, that sulfur smell you get, uh, rotten eggs smell you get. So why are they in wine? It helps preserve the wine. Basically, that's it. Uh, it's a slow chemical reactions which can cause wine to go bad. And so even, uh, uh, you know, if you ever open a wine that's bad by the next day, it's because of the low levels of sulfites and it just goes bad with the air. Using sulfites goes back as far as the Roman times. Winemakers would burn candles made of sulfur in empty wine containers to keep the wine from turning to vinegar, which actually didn't, it just turned to bad wine. Sulfur started to be used in winemaking instead of just cleaning wine barrels completely in the early 1900s to stop the bacteria and other yeast from growing. So can you smell sulfite? Yeah, you can. Uh, sulfites are in there. You can smell it. You can actually train yourself to look for it and smell it. Most wines are balanced so you don't smell it. Uh, the uh, compounds in there uh, smells like uh, cooked egg shells uh, or cooked egg-like smells, not shells, cooked egg types. Huh? And egg aromas, this is what most people refer to are uh, rotten eggs or any, any number of associated with eggs. This is really what sulfites will smell like. So if you really concentrate on some wines, you might be able to detect it. Not too often, but it is there. Should you be concerned about sulfites? Nah. I tell people, don't worry about it. It's not going to affect you. If it is going to affect you, you would know it by now. If it's not going to affect you, don't worry about it. Wines contain, red wine contains over 350 different chemicals, white wine over 250 different chemicals, and I've heard numbers even higher than that. And so if you're going to be concerned about the different things that are going to affect you, don't drink wine. It's as simple as that. But sulfites aren't a culprit. They're not your enemy. They actually preserve that wine and help it keep good until you open it up and you pour it and enjoy it with your friends or with a meal or something. Because without that sulfite, you wouldn't be able to enjoy some of the wines that you do enjoy now. That's why organic wines and biodynamic wines are really ones that you should be drinking reasonably soon. I I don't know about aging potentials of those because the sulfites, well, you've got free sulfite, which is naturally occurring in fermentation. So, uh, But sulfites will help the wine stay fresh in your bottle 
until you get around the drinking and it's not going to hurt you. Not going to give you a headache. Not going to cause a problem. Just enjoy the wine and don't even think about that the label there contains sulfites. And I think I'm done for the night. <laughs> a lot of information. I've got. Yeah. I think I can start a new file just uh, based on the show tonight. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the heat, uh, the heat was uh, that just fascinating. I just kept on looking up stuff and finding more and more stuff and all that. Basically, they were all saying the same thing, you know. I, I condensed it down for everyone tonight. But basically, they were saying the same thing. Yes, it can hurt, and it can hurt, especially long-term. And it does hurt Europe because they don't irrigate. And that in itself, I never really considered. But... You know, it will affect them if they don't because of non-irrigation. So, so yeah. Um, okay. Well, we uh, will go ahead and end the show for this week. Uh, again, we will not have a show next week, which is August the eighth. We will return live on August the fifteenth. So be sure to right. join us uh, then. Is uh, Thursday in two weeks. So. Um, yeah, and enjoy your tasting. That sounds that sounds always uh, that's always a fun thing. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be good. Looking forward, looking forward to it. Yeah. It should be should be uh, yeah. should be interesting. So we've already registered. Yeah, we got our got ourselves logged cool. into it, and we're all set to go. And, and right. uh, yeah, it's from six to nine, I think. So it's right in the middle of the show. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> do a remote line. And tell your friends about the new Facebook uh, listening. I think my engineer sat in the other room and listened to to his talk all night, guys. And yeah. uh, there was a couple so, of hiccups. At uh, uh, I saw on this end, the uh, screen kind of refreshed. Uh, uh, there's some changes I'll probably make to it to make it easier. And uh, there's a couple of technical things on this side that I need to look at. But um, yeah, for the most part, it was on. So uh, um, that's our first uh, full show on Facebook. <laughs> Ten years Fantastic. later. Yay! Yay! Yeah, and a half years later, we finally did it. All right. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and uh, appreciate it. We'll see you all back here on All About Wine in two weeks, uh, August the fifteenth, on the next show at seven p.m. Eastern time, uh, right here on uh, Facebook and uh, the uh, regular cast on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Thanks again, and, and have thanks. a great uh, great week. Yeah. Thank you. Drink a lot of wine and be safe out there. Absolutely. We'll see you. Thank you. Bye. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. And it's closed. Well, I see you're in the green room, but I don't hear you. Hello, Mike. Hello.
Can anybody hear me? Is there anybody out there? Did it clear the... I don't know. Hold on. I'll go back. Well, Mike, if you can hear me, then you're not there on my end. Well, you're in the green room. Why can't you be in the green room and I can't hear you? We're both in the green room. That was fast. But they could hear you talking. Oh, I know. We knew that they could. We knew they could. He's going to try to cut that. That was fast. That's two minutes later. It's back up. Playing all over again. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. You go ahead and get out of it. I wasn't trying to. I was trying to do something else. Well, Mike, I can't hear you. But if you can hear me, Kathy just started it, and it's on again. Facebook and playing again. It's already archived, and it's already being picked up to play again. So it's there. And if anybody out there is still listening to us on Blog Talk Radio, I think you can still hear us on this. Tune in on Facebook for archive. And we turned your ticket to the end. There's a little bar at the bottom. No. Uh, so, well, Mike, where are you? What's taking you so long? Are you there? Are you there? Yes. Oh, we don't hear each other on the. We can't hear each other in the green room. room. No, I couldn't hear you at all. I wonder why. It's the same thing. Yeah, I couldn't (laughs) hear you in the green room. Did you hear me? No, I didn't hear anything. No, no, I was. I I saw you were still in the green room, and I kept talking (laughs) to you, and I said, "I'm not hearing you if you're there." No, I didn't hear you. I was doing the same thing. Did you hear the slap? Did you hear me go? Nothing. No. No. Wow. No, I didn't hear. No, I just I saw you were there, and then I said, "Well, let me take us both back into, uh, you know, back to the microphone and see." And there you were, but I knew you were still there, and I was wondering why you didn't talk to me. You know, so. Um, Kathy, just. It's the same thing that we're in the green room, and that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't, but it, we, we weren't there. Kathy just checked on, just pulled up, and it's already on archives. It was archives within like two minutes from the time that we ended the show. Oh wow! Yeah, she uh, she hit hit the button. I wanted to see if you know you, you were still doing anything, and she hit the button, and it started from the very beginning. All right, let me see. Uh, just refresh it here. Um. Yep, there it is. Oh, look at that. Yeah, that was huh. fast. That was that was immediately there. Very so, cool. huh. 
we'll see how that uh, works. So that that might be the way to go. Um, yeah, I'll see, see, what, see what type of uh, response we get. I'm going to take us both over to the green room for a second and see if we can hear each other, see what happens. Okay. 